Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, and welcome back, Windy. Thank you. And our tactics guy and occasional host, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, mate. I'm not treading on your toes, am I? Um, a little. A little. I mean, I, I left a lovely intro for you both to use, and, and <laughs> you, you made the creative decision to leave that out. Uh, to be fair, you you made that um, after the first game. And then we recorded after the second game and obviously, you know, the mood had changed, hadn't it? It was an entirely different situation. It had, and my intro was very, also very weird. So I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> Well, you, I wasn't going to bring that bit up. Yeah, I'm quite <laughs> glad that you, you did that. Um, how did you find hosting? Uh, scary at first. I like, I'm comfortable, like I've done a, another podcast and obviously I've done little sections on here where I like, I've, I've been the host, but what I struggle with is like reading questions aloud. I'm a really bad reader out louder of, of written stuff. That was the scary bit. It's, it's definitely a different experience, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, I thought you did a great job and I enjoyed very much what you both had to say. Oh, thank um, you. We're going to start off talking about Red Star because I feel like there are some reasons for us all to be happy again. Um, so Bardi, starting with you, how, how did you find, how did you find the match? Um, I was really excited by the, by the lineup. It was, um, it was almost like Poch was making a, a statement. This is perhaps the beginning of a new era. This was his team. La Celso was starting. Cessignon was on the bench. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of reasons to be positive before the game started. And how did you how did you feel it went? I mean, we had a slightly, a few rocky moments in the first half, would you say? Yeah, I think by and large we were in control. I mean, their rocky moments came about not through much skill, more by by chance. Like the the chance where it ricocheted off Dyer and Foyf and then it bounced through to them and Gazaniga, my new hero, made a fantastic <laughs> save. And then there was a couple of other sloppy moments. But on the whole, I thought it was a really good performance at a ground which is apparently, well, it's known to be a difficult place to go. And I don't think um, I don't think they'd, they'd lost them in the Champions League. I think there's a strange record anyway, which we totally buried. Yeah, the, their record at home is insane. And with that in mind, I thought they were absolutely dire. I couldn't believe how awful Red Star were. I, I do think there's an element of Spurs just completely 
having them at arm's length and playing very well. But Red Star were very, very poor, in my opinion. And Nathan, how did you how did you feel the game went? It was needed, wasn't it? It was it was like yeah. therapy. Um, yeah. I, so I I've been putting forward the case that we had improved over the last couple of weeks, and then obviously the Everton game happened, which obviously we'll touch on in a second. Um, but like, uh, imagine if we'd played terribly and lost this game. I I would I would have a very hard time fighting a case against you right now for Pochino to remain at the club, wouldn't mm-hmm. I? So um, yeah, it was it was it was necessary. Um, uh, it was fun and everything as well. It was great to you know see our new. Talk Toys, um, both or all three of them performing well together. Um, yeah, it was it was what was needed. I feel like Lacelso almost couldn't have had a better first start. He was just immaculate, wasn't he? he his style um, is so welcome right now. It kind of took a while for the other players to get used to him. Uh, there was a couple of points in, early in the first half where he picked up the ball and he took some touches and he looked around. He was waiting for movement to happen around him so that he could quickly offload it and, and then move again. And no one moved for him. So he like ended up going back and looked kind of frustrated. Later in the game, he was getting the ball and people were used to the fact that he wanted to move it quickly and look for a return ball. So they were like running into space and his presence had a knock-on effect on the rest of the team. I, I feel like him just being there revitalised things. Plus his pressing was genuinely really useful as well and, and led to the um, led to the first goal, I think. Is that right? Mm-hmm. He, um, he reminded me, I said in the WhatsApp group, he reminds me of a handbag snatcher on a Vespa. He's <laughs> constant. <laughs> That's so niche. He's constantly on the move. He's constantly hunting for the ball. He's constantly hunting to win it back. And um, we we speak a lot about Pochettino type players, and he just seems to be it. I know it's Red Star, and I know there's caveats, but his energy and his drive. And you're right, he was getting the ball when he was looking for. He was always trying to make things happen. And those moments he did try and do something. His accuracy and his passing was great, and it's something that we we dearly lacked against Everton away. it was a it was a great start for him and long may it continue. Nathan made that video a while back on Ericsson where he kind of explains in layman's terms why what Ericsson does is simple and yet brilliant. And I feel like Lacelso's very similar in that he doesn't try and overcomplicate things very often. He just plays kind of uh, quickly and forward in a very simplistic way, but such a quick way that because he's allowed to do that by the fact that he's very technically able, he gets the ball under control really quickly. He's got great vision. He gets his head Mm. up. That allows him to play one, one and a half seconds quicker than other players, which means that by the time he's played the pass... The defence isn't into position. The midfielders aren't expecting it. He catches players out and it's it's great to see. And it's lovely that we have him. Um, and let's just hope nothing goes wrong in terms of us signing him full time because he's a great fit for our squad. Um, also, Ndombele had a lovely game. Nathan, what did you make of his performance? Oh man, I I'm so like obviously he took a few weeks to settle in, but um yeah he's here now and and we've got him and he's everything that I promised he would be. Mm. Um yeah man, wow what a player. Um I can't believe that other clubs let us get him. What an absolute star. Imagine imagine how good he'll be um when he's partnered up with an extremely good actual defensive midfielder. And and when we're just good again generally. <coughs> yeah, I mean, he, he uh, he's standing out so much at the moment partly because we're rubbish. Um but when when we're good again, I still think he'll stand out because he is phenomenal. He can do a bit of everything. Um his through balls are ridiculous. Like legitimately ridiculous. That the audacious through balls doesn't quite cover it. He's playing stuff with the outside of his foot into minimal space and he's getting it right like 50% of the time which is a ridiculously high rate for those 
types of passes. He's he's just really really talented. Um, and again, like like Celso, he's moving the ball quickly. He he's also coming for the ball constantly. He's showing for it. He's very brave in possession. He made a mistake yesterday where he he, he played a pass too short for I think Eric Dyer. Um, and it didn't affect him one bit. He's got that confidence where he'll just go again and he'll try he'll try and do something similar again. Um, the way he rolls players. Um, due to his kind of excellent balance and um, spatial awareness is just a joy to behold. He's, he's very sort of Moussa Dembele in possession uh, so when the ball's at his feet. But when he's looking for a pass, he's very Luka Modric. And that is a lovely combination. What a so, shout. Yeah. Yeah. And he's fouled off the pitch as well. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> God. Oh, it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. The other player that really caught my eye was uh, Juan Foyth, who obviously listeners will know I'm a huge fan of Foyth. So, you know, this might be slightly agenda driven, but he was really good. <laughs> Buddy, how did you how did you find Foyth's game? It's not like you to drive an agenda, is it? <laughs> no, I, I, I like to I like to keep my cards close to my chest, mate. I thought I thought Foyth was fine. He's not the most kind of penetrative um, fullback. But perhaps in this world, we need a fullback who's not a walking disaster. So perhaps it's right. He he is a little bit. He does remind me of Craig Dawson a little bit, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but obviously, Craig Dawson, who's been to the tailors, got himself a nice suit and learnt, <laughs> learnt a foreign language. He's been styled up a bit. I, he's not. He will never be a um, an amazing right back. But for now, he's the, he's the right back we need and perhaps the right back we deserve. And I, I got a lot of time for him. I like him. Um yeah, and it, you know it was nice to see. Obviously, I'd, I preferred I would prefer to have seen Carl Walker Peters play because you know I just think he, he's young, he's English, and uh, <laughs> but he did fine. He wasn't really tested. He was good on the ball, and he wasn't a disaster. So yeah, it's good. I uh, I, I have a noted agenda, which is don't play Foyta right back, and I thought mm. he was very good last night. Mm-hmm. You know, my my main concern is over his um his athleticism, and I thought he had a decent display of that albeit against a weak team uh, last night. So I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I, I would like to see him start again at right back against Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, I just don't think we're not, we're not learning anything from Aurier. And this has been part of my problem with Pochettino and his lack of introducing the new players and changing things. We, we haven't learned anything all season. Until now, we've learned that the Celso works and we've finally learned that perhaps Sissoko is the best partner for Ndombele right now. And now we've learned that Foyf is a proper right back. Who's who's not who's not a disaster? Well, the, the main problem with Aurier is that he doesn't learn anything. He never yeah. learns from his mistakes. Yeah, he, he he keeps making the same mistakes now that he was making in his PSG career and in his early Spurs career, and it's very frustrating because yeah, he he has attributes that are suited to being a Premier League right back. Aurier is that guy that you played football with as a 16-year-old and you've gone away, gone to university, did whatever. You've come back to your hometown or local pub and he's now 28 and he's still in the same pub cracking the same jokes. Aurier is he's never changed. He's the same footballer he was as a child that he is now. Nice analogy. I like that. Um, Thank you. So I think Foyth long-term is definitely a centre-back. I, at the moment, I'm just glad to see him in the team. Um, so there is that. But I, I definitely want to see him move to centre-back before too long because I think his, his future is there. I genuinely think he could be our centre-back for the next... X years. I think he's a really talented, um, competent player, and I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all for him getting a lot of game time this season. Um, Ollie Connors says, on a scale of one to ten, how uncomfortably damp did Ndombele and Son's link up play make you feel last night? Um, Nathan, let's start with you. What did you make of the link up between Son and Tongi? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I would say I was uh, a seven, which I would describe as swampy. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lovely stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that was a particular combination um, that especially caught my eye. I tell you what actually did um, interest me was um, Sun staying wide and Danny Rose playing quite centrally a lot last night. That was interesting to see. We have seen that before. We do see that sometimes when Sun plays on the left uh, as well as Rose. Um, but we saw a, a fairly extreme case of that last night, which was uh, interesting tactically. Mm. Buddy, how about you on the on the sliding scale? Yeah, I, I'd be like Nathan seven six and a half seven. I don't think that was the combination that really got me the most excited. I think it was more Endombele, uh, Le Celso, and even occasionally Musa stepping in there and doing some bits. It was it was that trio that had me um, had me moist. Oh, I liked it. I I was an eight, um, which I described <laughs> as talked up. Uh, so so the, the idea of Son or Delhi coming off the flank to run onto an Ndombele through ball is a very exciting prospect to me. And I think it kind of harks back to early Pochettino, where the idea was to get the ball vertically forward quickly, very quickly and early. And Ndombele brings that skill set, uh, which is incredibly exciting. And I, I look forward to seeing a lot more of it. Um, we better talk about Cessignon because he had a really exciting cameo. Um, Stan Paxton says, what do you see as Cessignon's role for the remainder of the season and also long term so Bardi he obviously got a few minutes last night but he made an impact he got an assist he nearly got another couple of assists and he looked generally generally really good and, and very competent uh, where do you what do you see happening next for Cessnion and how do you think he'll be integrated as the season goes on um, it definitely is um, as I think he'll start getting more minutes as left back I have to be really honest that I missed the last five or six minutes of the Tottenham game because Carl Walker going in goal for Man City <laughs> was was too much of a too much of a pull so I I changed over to watch that but no he good he had a good start and then he looks he looks good um, and he looks like when he gets in those areas his his reliability in in finding his cross or pulling the ball back seems to be a, a bit more um, consistent than Rose's. But saying that, I didn't think Rose had the worst game. And I think Pochettino's got a little bit of a problem now because Davies has been playing well. Rose has done okay. Well, last night he did okay. And Sessegnon's coming through. So I, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to do at the moment, to be honest. Nathan, where do you think Sessegnon will play initially? And where do you think he'll play long term? I do think long term, I, I do want to see him at left back. I, I think that Rose played fine last night. And I mentioned sort of the, the coming inside playing narrow kind of thing. Um, but like, regardless, Rose is on the way out long term and Davies is good, no more, no less. So um, there is need for improvement at left back. I do think that that is where that is the best possible version of Sessegnon's career is to become a, a really high level left back. Um, but I think in the meantime, uh, we'll mostly see him playing, coming off the bench to play an attacking role. Um, I think that may well be the case for a few months, especially as we're um, out of the League Cup, which would, would have been a really good place for him to develop at left back. It, it would. And also, whilst we're not so solid defensively, mm. um, da- Davis seems like a better fit at left back just for the time being. Um, but I really like the way that Sessignon arrives in the final third. He times his movement yeah. well. Um, he also uses the ball incredibly well, which is it's always been a bit of a frustration of mine with Danny Rose, who seems to want to hit the touchline and thump the ball across the goal as hard <laughs> as he can. Sessignon seemed very um, measured with his passing. He seemed to get his head up and pick people out rather than just putting the ball into an area. And I like that. I think 
there's a lot more to come from him. He's a player that I've liked for a long time, and I'm very excited we've got him. And it's been a bit frustrating that we've not seen more of him yet, but hopefully this is a start of plenty more appearances appearances for him. Um, Bardi, you want to talk about Dyer? Yeah, I thought um, I've been saying for a while that I, I think Dyer's finished as a as a top level central midfielder. I just don't think he's got the athleticism. I don't think his range of passing or his touch is that good. So it was interesting to see him play at centre back, which is where I think his future lies. And I thought he I thought he looked good with um, alongside Davinson. Um, he utilised the, the the stuff he's learnt from being a centre midfielder. He came forward with the ball well. He was very um, he used it very well, and he seemed to under he seemed to sweep up quite nicely as well. So I think it was a um, I think it was a promising promising move back to centre back. And I'm not against him whilst we kind of push out Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I'm not against seeing him play there again. How about you, Nathan? Do you think this is a permanent switch back to centre half? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 the issue with Dyer is that his sort of his athleticism has gone. He's had a series of injuries and illnesses and time away from from the pitch that has really like made him not just slow but like creaky and awkward. And like I, I feel like either he gets that back and he's good enough for us, either, you know, wherever, or he doesn't get that back and like okay, maybe he can get away with being off the pace more at centre back, but that's not really um something you want to run with, you know, long term. So I, I, for me, it's not really a, a question of position. It's it's about his um, his ability to get match fit again. Yeah, I'd go with that. I mean, I think I prefer Dyer in midfield personally, although I do take Bardi's point. He's had a couple of really rough seasons in midfield and he's been hugely injury hit. So I'm very, very happy for him to play some centre-back minutes to get his sharpness yeah, back. But true. then once he gets those minutes back, I would like to see him given a go in midfield. And that's partly because... <laughs> we need a midfielder. We, we need a midfielder. Like, I... I, I I've not kind of um, thought through what I'm about to say, so bear with me. But um, Great. Wait, let me make notes. <laughs> but I still don't think Sissoko's uh, a good central midfielder. Um, I think Sissoko is not a problem at the moment. I think, like, he's... He's playing okay. Like he's putting in six, seven out of ten performances, and he's doing his best, and that's kind of holding things together, and it's fine. But if you just look at the numbers, if you look at what he does on the ball, I don't think it's enough defensively to compensate for the fact that Ndombele wants to be more attacking than defensive. Um, I, I thought Winks started the season really well. He had a drop off. He's now out of the team. Whether he'll come back, who knows? But in the meantime, Sissoko is very good at latching onto loose balls and charging forward with it. What he's not good at is winning the ball back or positioning himself somewhere to allow the team to win the ball back. And that is what I think Dyer is very good at and underrated at. He mm. will position himself or shuff, shuttle players into areas which allow teammates to, to win the ball, like collective um, pressing and, and uh, getting the ball back. Soko, I don't think kind of, I just don't think it's, it's come naturally to him. He's always been, um, when he's played midfield previously, he's he's been one of a three. And I think he gets away with a lot more as a three because he's very handy for transitioning from defence to attack I don't think in a pivot he's good enough for uh, a team with aspirations of being in the top six let alone top four um, I so, got, I so, got, so I'd like Dyer to come back in basically I've got I've got a question when Dyer's best season at Tottenham when was it when he was it when he played in the back three because I, I think midfield of Dembele yeah, was his best 15-16 15 so but that was that's a long time ago yeah early potch it's it's basically when we got rid of Mason and Bentaleb and started playing Dyer and Dembele and then Wanyama came in. See, I don't, I don't think that we're, we're ever going to see that Dyer again. I, I hope you're wrong. I, I can definitely see the point, but 
we've we've made kind of final statements about players before and they've proven this wrong and I, th- I think there is room to to see whether it can happen like he, he doesn't become a bad footballer overnight and he had a really no. good season that year it's it's simply it's a mental it's a mental block and it's a physical block and if he can overcome both of those then we can get that Eric Dyer back home. I just think that we can utilize the skills he does have in um I think we can utilize the skills he has got from being a central midfielder and use them as a as a ball playing center back. I I I just think that that season where we kind of we finished second um he he was playing more in a back three and as because we had Wanyama and Dembele central and I I just think that was for me that was the best Dyer we had. I think that's a really good point and it's something that kind of gets overlooked when we talk about Alderweireld and Vertonghen moving out of the team. Obviously, we'll lose a lot defensively, but their uh, ball progression is really, really good and Dyer would add something in that respect. So I think that's a, that's a very valid, very valid comment. Should we talk a bit about Everton? I know we don't really want to because it was a fucking miserable display, but let's do it anyway. Um, Bardi, general thoughts on the Everton game? It was boring. Had it not been Tottenham, I would have turned it off and that's... That, that's you know it's bad when you when you get to that point with your own team. There it it had the potential to be pretty good because but nothing was nothing was joined up. No one was able to link the play to anybody else. We were incapable of stringing passes together, and I think a large fault of that was was upon Ericsson, who as the kind of man who was there to work from the midfield and the strikers bring them together I think a lot of it fell down on him and I think his um, sloppiness on the ball and his inability to find a quite mobile and quite intelligent moving front three was um, was a big fault there I agree Ericsson was a problem and that's something that it's been a bit of an issue for a while in that when Ericsson hasn't played well Spurs haven't played well and that's something that Pochettino kind of pushed his luck with for a, for a bit and his luck's run out um Nathan what did you think sort of tactically in terms of our setup against Everton and, and where do you think things went wrong um I I I just I, I said before the game that that Everton because of the way they play was gonna be a real challenge. They they defend in the medium block and they press with a high intensity and they just make the game a mess and that's what we saw like the most extreme case of. I tweeted at half time that I was pleased with our intensity off the ball and I got a lot of flack for that. I went back and watched the game afterwards because the first time I watched it I was trying to stream it on my phone and I was hungover and the stream kept breaking and like the few bits I did see the balls out of play you know all that kind of stuff um but you know we were we did have intensity of the ball it's just that the match itself wasn't intense because yeah again lots and lots of fouls lots of time with the ball out of play um lots of breaking up the play in that kind of way um which made it awful to watch just a terrible display of football um but that's what that's what Everton do and um in order to control the game against Everton and force them deep and and wrestle possession away from them you have to be you have to be really good or you can try and play over the top and I feel like we were confused about whether we wanted to try and wrestle control or if we wanted to play directly I I think we got caught between the two and and succeeded in neither um obviously Ericsson's been playing very badly and I'm not gonna like pretend that that isn't the case but um he never performs well in those games where we don't control the game so it was never going to be one for him in that regard mm, mm. i th- i thought um you know everton didn't create a great deal no that's that's a, that's a good thing but that for me that was quite lucky in that sanchez in, in one sense sanchez kept richarlison quiet and in the other sense he beat the shit out of him and got away with it every time like there no was, there was one definite penalty on on richarlison no you're so the, the, the trip in the corner of the penalty area like that was so risky was I, I didn't know what he was doing and then um there was a couple of challenges that he made where i'm thinking i'm surprised i'm surprised he's got away i'm surprised he's got away with that wendy if you ever have children please <laughs> 
please never become, never decide to referee a match because you'll have <laughs> you'll have other parents throwing stuff at you. That was that wasn't even close to being a penalty. I thought Richarlison was, was he was a mess. He was throwing himself around all he the time. He does throw himself around. I agree with that. He was looking for it, and I think Sanchez was quite calm and handled him quite well. And I was quite happy with his physicality and everything else. He he bullied Richarlison, and it's something that we say that he he don't he never really does that. So no, I, I thought I thought there wasn't a penalty in there, and I thought I was very happy with Sanchez. 
and Son was riled up from that and so wanted to uh, do some, do him some damage. I completely mm. disagree with that. So Son was pissed off about being elbowed in the face and rightfully so. You know, that, that should have been a yellow card in itself. Um, it could have even been, you know, a red card retrospectively. He, he deliberately elbowed him in the face. But for me, if you watch the, the um, bit of play before Gomez had that horrendous accident, um, Son's chasing the ball down. He's going hard at Iwobi as well. And then he gets frustrated that he's not getting the ball and a guy's getting away from him. And he trips him by um, sliding into his back leg in the same way that you might pull someone's shirt back to, it happens to stop every the game. play. It happens every game. It's, you know, 99 times out of 100, nine, 999 times out of 1,000, it's a harmless incident where someone's going to fall over and then get back up. And what happened was so unfortunate and, you know, obviously Son is racked with guilt. He shouldn't be, but he is. Um, and the way Everton responded to him saying that he was some kind of vindictive act, that he's an, a, a spiteful player, that he's done this before. I just think they've got it all wrong. And there's so much there's so much bias in there and it, it upsets me. Um, Bardi, have you got anything to add? Completely agree with you, Wendy. Oh. So what you're saying is it's Sergio Aurelio's fault. <laughs> so I, you know, the, the, the replays, I think this is a good thing that Sky stopped replaying the incident um, at a certain point because that would have been horrendous if they had shown it. But it, it makes it really hard to tell what happened. Um, I'm pretty desensitised to that kind of stuff. I watch a lot of mixed martial arts. So if any of you listeners have the clip, send me it. I'll watch it. I don't care. Uh, I don't really believe it's Sergio Aurelio's fault, by the way. That was a joke, just in case anyone thought I was serious. <laughs> so I, I'm quite desensitised to that kind of thing as well. Um, but on this occasion, I found found it really difficult, and I found myself like almost tearing up. I know it sounds oh, ridiculous and, and really over the top, but the the other players' reaction to him, yeah, the, I, I, you know, I, I know that some of the Everton players were sort of trying to get Son sent off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I found it really comforting and and heartwarming the way that, um, particularly Luca Dean ran straight to to Andre Gomez to to look after him and kind of cup his head in his hands. Um, and I, I thought, and Chink Tosin as well. I, I thought kind of the Spurs players and Everton players handled the situation pretty well in what was a really difficult occasion. And, you know, there's no surprise to see Aurier get taken off because he was right next to it happening. And it must have been a pretty horrendous thing to see um, happen on the pitch. Nick. Um, Shout yeah, out so, to Seamus Coleman for uh, heading to the dressing room afterwards. Yeah, that was, that was great. So, so what was the story about that, Nate? Uh, just that apparently Coleman, who who I believe is, was acting captain for that game, or might be club captain anyway, uh, led sort of like an entourage of Everton players into the dressing room uh, sometime after the game to go and console Son and, and let him know that it wasn't his fault, um, which is a really, really sweet thing to do. It really is. And he's suffered a similar injury himself. Um, yeah, he was out what, for like two years. He yeah, was, yeah, he, he had a rough time. So so he knows kind of what Gomez is going through. Um, so yeah, you know, genuinely thoughts are with Andre Gomez and I hope he makes a full recovery and it would be no surprise to me if he didn't because that was a horrible injury. Um, I just, you know... Hope Apparently the surgery has gone well. Apparently that's good. Surgery, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, so, so this weekend we move on to Sheffield United who are a really interesting proposition tactically. Have you have you watched much of them, Nate? <laughs> not a huge amount and I'm going to be a dickhead and say the very interesting tactical thing about them is not that interesting and overblown and everyone needs to calm down about it uh, so so you're talking about the outside center backs making overlapping yeah. runs yeah okay what what why do you think that's overblown because that's it you've already explained the entire thing like it people make it out to be this really complicated intriguing unique thing and like it's not that unique and it's not that complicated and it's not that game-changing 
<laughs> That's fair. I, I personally think their central midfield is just as interesting, where sure. they've got Oliver Norwood, who I think is ridiculously talented for a, a player that's been a journeyman for a lot of his career. Uh, he plays as the sort of the central pivot, and he's very good technically, so he kind of just gets the ball down and gets it moving. And then either side of him, he's got um, John Fleck, who was at Chelsea as a, as a kid, is equally talented. And then on the other side, John Lundstrom, who was at Everton. And Lundstrom is chipping in with goals left, right and centre. He, he's making these kind of late runs from midfield to get into the box. And with their wing play and clever passing from Norwood and Fleck, it's it's coming up trumps for them. And Wilder's got a really nice, uh, organised team set up there. And I feel as though if Spurs were good, when <laughs> we were good, this was the kind of match where the fact that we were good would just trump any system. And we would probably steamroll them and win 2-1 or 3-1. And no one would think anything else about the tactical battle, regardless of how well Sheffield United played. But given that we're not good at the moment, I'm really concerned about this match. Buddy, do you think there's um, much hope for Spurs in this one? I think we're going to pump them. I think this is. Uh, I think this is the start of Tottenham. I think we. I, I. I don't know why. I'm just hoping now. I think we've turned the corner, and I think this is. This will be a perfect game to. Um. To kind of put that statement out there that Sheffield United have been good. We've been bad, but now it's time to revert to the mean, and we're going to be okay. And Nathan, what system would you use going into this? Uh, I, I, I would like to see the four-two-three-one, both because of like we played well um, last night with the four-two-three-one. It seems to be the way that we're trending, and I do also think specifically with the overlapping centre backs, um, if you're doubled up out wide and they triple up, you just don't worry about the centre back. Like, what's he going to do? Cross it in. Oh my god, yeah. I'm hearing this bit of being played over a, a gif of the goal now. <laughs> I maintain the important thing to do is to not like get over scared and flustered by there being a triple yeah. up out wide and just mm. let the widest player cross the ball. And um, their um, their player Muset was the first player to score, uh, first player to get a hat trick of assists in one half in the first half since since who? Who's the last player to have done that? Walker Peters. Walker Peters. Well done, Wendy. <laughs> ding, I will ding, never ding. forget that day. The greatest day yeah. of my goddamn life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Steve Jennings says, I've made a potch out banner for when Ndombele and Lo Celso inevitably don't start on Saturday, but I can't make it to the game. Which one of you should I post it to? Um, send it to me. I'm, I'm taking my wife for her first visit to um, New White Hart Lane. So um, if if they do start, then I'm just going to stay in Beavertown. Just, I, she can she can watch the game. Well, if, if, I'll, if, I'll just stay in Beavertown. If they're not playing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, and what do you think the chances are of them not playing? Very unlikely. I I think he's. I think he's. <laughs> I think he's found his common sense again. But we said that after the last Red Star game. We we did, but um, that we had Liverpool after that, and um, yeah. Mm. yeah. Nathan, you're less than convinced. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be shocked if like. Um, I would expect Ndombele to start, but I think it might take a little while before the Celso starting league games. And I like, I I know I would like to see him start them soon, and it makes sense. And he played well, and we want to essentially replace Ericsson sooner rather than later because of the way that he's performing. And I believe that Poch feels the same way about those things. He's just very patient with these things and takes his time to bring players through. Um, you know, he took months to bring Kane through um, yeah. and all of the other examples, you know, he, he likes to not rush these things. And I know that it's like, it's really frustrating. And I know that things are especially frustrating now. Um, 
but just don't be shocked if the Celsius mm. doesn't start the weekend. So, so you mentioned Ericsson there and Jack Law, who is Custard Creams on Twitter, which is an excellent handle and an excellent biscuit. Uh, he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, what level of rage will you feel if you see Ericsson in the starting 11 for Saturday? Um, you're expecting him to play, Nathan, but will you be cross if he plays? Uh, there'll be some annoyance. I'll be coming in at a, a, a warm four on the annoyance scale. And, and Bardi will be throwing his wife at Pochettino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was who was quite surprised by um, Gazaniga yesterday. He what? absolutely knocked her off her feet. Really? Oh, it's, those, she, it's those eyes. Yeah, she's a, she's a fan of Argentinian men in general anyway. So she looked at Lo Celso and she went, oh, who's that? He's new. And then, <laughs> um, then she saw Gazaniga and she stopped what she was doing. And it's weird because had I reacted like that to a lady on TV, I would have got hit. <laughs> he is ludicrously handsome. I did wonder whether, you know, the save he made with his feet down low, which was excellent, by the way, yep. against Red Star. Mm. Uh, I did wonder if the striker missed that because he was too busy staring at Gazaniga's beautiful face. <laughs> I, I, Gazaniga is impressed me more each week I still think he's a little bit slow to come up come off his line and come sweep it come sweep the ball up and collect it but um I have to say it, it, week on week he's um he's growing on me that could be a confidence thing though couldn't it it's something that he could add to his game later yeah perhaps there was a few times where Davinson and uh, Dyer had the ball in the area and they were kind of waiting for him to come mm. and just get it but he I didn't. noticed that too yeah, mm. and and Dyer actually did the right thing and just dealt with the ball, which is which is good. That's kind of what you want to see. Um, yeah, someone take control in that situation. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, he is really good with his feet, and he has made some excellent saves. So I'm very very pleasantly surprised so far by what he's done. Especially because um, Loris is now gone until January for sure. Right, he's he's had to have surgery, right? Yeah. It's not good for Luis. I, I don't. I think his recovery will take a long, long time. I'm intrigued just to see whether we sign a new goalkeeper in January. Uh, so Eddingson, who is Eddingson10 on Twitter, he says, "Why did we give Lucas a new contract? Can we genuinely use him for anything else uh, other than a backup to Son?" I've been a bit harsh on on Lucas on Twitter recently, Nathan. What what do you make of him, and what do you see as a sort of long term proposition with Lucas? Yeah, a backup to Son and places a backup to Kane a lot as well. I don't know. I he's good, but. I'm not excited about him. I did think the contract was weird and came at a weird mm. time. Mm. Um, I don't know. He's he's just he's essentially a, a squad player who will have moments of form. Um, I don't know. I, that, I mean, those are players worth having, obviously. Um, is that going to be enough for him, though? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But you think he's just kind of accepted now that he is a squad player, a, a top four Premier League team, and that's it, and nothing more. I I I I would imagine that he is happy with um like the instructions and roles and squad situation that he's given, and he can really only blame um not blame blames not the right word, but understands that he himself is responsible for mm. um the starts that he's given. Basically, mm, mm. he's he's twenty seven now. I don't know. I I'm I'm not a big Lucas fan. I don't like him when he plays up front. I prefer him on the wing. I like how tenacious he is. I like the fact that he's really good in the air. But for me, he's not someone who gels well with other players. Most of his good moments have come when he's done something by himself, and I, I don't think that's I don't think that stands you in good stead for the future. Um, Eddingson also says, "R.I.P. Kyle Walker Peters." You mentioned him earlier, Bardi. Um, what do you think he's done to Pochettino to to <laughs> to, to, to to mean this situation has occurred? Um, there's very various different theories that have been spouted on the fighting cock, probably which aren't shouldn't be mentioned here. But I'm, I, I, I don't know. I really, I don't know. It is absolutely baffling, Nathan. What have you made of this? I don't know. I don't get it. Like I, 
I, he must just be like terrible in training. I don't understand because like got to like be. he's stuck around and stuck around. Obviously, Pochino must be saying like you're definitely one for the future. You're definitely going to get game time this season. Is definitely going to be the season for you. I'm definitely going to start you next season. Sign yeah. a new contract, commit, and then you get like one game and you didn't like light everything up. And now I'm playing a lunatic and a centre back ahead of you. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. Just run, Kyle. Run for the hills, mate. It's, it's, it's like a Truman Show style test to see how long <laughs> oh the player will stay at a club without actually getting any games. Um, I'm sure there's probably been... Wasn't there like a famous goalkeeper who was at a Premier League club for 10 years but played like five games or something? Richard... That genuinely could be... Mm, Which is it. right for Man City, barely played. Yeah. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, that is what I was thinking of. Arsenal and then Man City. Yeah, that's a good shout. That, Maybe be Kyle Steve Harper. Steve Harper, yeah. Only yeah. played very late in his career. Yeah, so so Kyle Walker-Peters will make a breakthrough at like 29. Yeah, we're going to have 31-year-old Kyle. This is the season for him. He's coming good. He's he's maturing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. It's so uh, weird. Keith Weichel says, are we seeing the future of our midfield as a three with Sissoko and Dombele and Lo Celso, or more of a pivot with Sissoko and Dombele and Lo Celso in the attacking band? So Lo Celso played from the right uh, against Red Star, Bardi, but where do you see him playing going forward? Um, I don't know. I think he's got the qualities to play more central. He's his strength, the way he moves, he's quick. I, th- I think he's, I think he's going to be wasted out wide. I would like to see him play more central. And from the highlights of him, all the best bits happen when he's kind of in more of a central area. And maybe there's a way that we can play Endombele, Lo Celso, and then a proper defensive midfielder as a free, perhaps. And that's what you had in mind as well, Nathan. I remember at the start of the year. At the start of the year, and maybe things have changed. Um, I, I, I think we'll see lots of both. He when he played when he played wide right uh, yesterday, he did the sort of Ericsson thing of like, yes, yeah, starting wide right, but spending a lot of time central, a lot of time um, deep, and all that sort of stuff. So we'll we'll see a mix of the lot. I think at the moment we want to continue with the four two three one, but I wouldn't be surprised if we also play a lot of three man midfields in that time, and the mm. is involved centrally in those occasions it's nice to have that versatility in the squad yeah uh charlie coop says what should be our first choice defense for the rest of the season Foyth looked good at right back dyer had a good uh has made a good bid for being a center back but surely you have to start toby and davinson buddy you've kind of um pinned your colors to the wall on this already but what what do you think yeah i think i think Foyth at right back and then a combination of dyer davinson and toby at center back and then um and then I guess Davies at Cessignon with perhaps a little bit of Rose. I I said it, I said at the beginning of the season and uh, later on as well that I want to see a progression of Tottenham. If we are going to go through a sticky phase, I'd rather go through a sticky phase trying something new than with the same old heads. And we know that the idea for the start of the season, because they tried to sell Aurier, was to start with Foyth at right back. Do you think that will continue, Nathan? Yeah, I think that makes it again, like I was saying earlier with the Celso, like these ideas may take time and there's also like the rotation element. Like if you've played ninety minutes midweek, you're not necessarily fit to play ninety minutes at the weekend. Um but I think we should at the moment, based on performances, see Foyt slowly take over Aurea at right back. Mm. I, by the way, I just want to add that I'm literally fine with uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. I have no issues with either of them, really. Vertonghen's getting a little slow, but like I think they've both been fine. I don't think Vertonghen's look good this year. No. 
I think Alderweireld's largely looked okay, given... Uh, it's difficult to judge him because previously he was playing in a team where he wasn't tested that much. And so, of course, he's making... Of course, strikers are getting beyond him more because there's more opportunity for them to do so. Um, but I think he, he's been okay-ish, and I've got no problem with him continuing. I think Foyth learning alongside um, Alderweireld is my... That's my dream scenario, to be honest. Um, but Sanche- Sanchez is getting better, so that, that's a good thing. Uh, Brian Schaefner says, how many points off the top four do we need to be by January the 1st for you to feel reasonably confident we can grab a Champions League spot? And to be honest, I'm, I feel like that's a very kind of optimistic worldview that we can still be in the running for the top four at the moment, given the start we've made to the season. Nathan, do you think it's feasible that we can secure Champions League football again? Yes. You do? I do. I, you, we know what we're like when we are good and I do believe we're heading in that direction and I also think that um, United and Arsenal are bad and Chelsea aren't as good as they appear. I think Chelsea are good and I think Leicester are excellent. Leicester's a good shout. That's that's fair. That's fair. But I still think that like like not that we're playing brilliantly, obviously, um, but I, I maintain that there's a space there for the taking if we can, you know, stand up to it. How about you, Buddy? Do you do you still have sort of do you think that the top four expectation is realistic at this point? Yeah, but we need to start we need to start winning from Saturday. We can't keep letting um it's ten points now, it's a long way. Uh, we can't let it get any further. Leicester, I mean, Leicester have the advantage of no European football, but they are, I think, pretty much they're one or two injuries away from crumbling. A lot of their hopes is based on Madison, based on Vardy, and then their Turkish chap at centre back. Chelsea, Chelsea can be got at. They've just had a, they've had a quite a good run of games, and for, to credit to them, they've taken advantage of those games. But I think for us, we really need to start winning now. Yeah, I, I, I'm personally a little less optimistic about Champions League football, but I'm, I'm happy that you have kind of made me feel a bit better about it. Um, let's end the podcast with this one because I think there's a potential to end on a positive note. So Nelson and Saha says, does the emergence of the new signings making their way into matchday squads ignite our season? Are the older players on notice now? And we, we've spoken about this a bit already, but Bardi, do you feel like this is the turning point? Yeah, I've said it a couple of times. Yep, turning point. It's here. We're going to start winning games. And how about you, Nate? Yes, but it might not be <laughs> instant. It might take a few weeks, you know, for these players to, you know, be nailing 90 minutes every weekend. I mean, what the worst thing that could happen is Lo Celso and all these guys start this week. We, we smash Sheffield United, then they all go get injured on international duty and we revert back to time. But your imagination is very limited if you think that's the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> True. So, so I think that until we work out what's happening in central midfield, I don't think we're going to suddenly become good again. And I think that will involve a painful rebuild with Musa Sissoko coming out of the team. Um, <laughs> who comes in for him, I don't know. Maybe when uh, Lo Celso and Ndombele are properly match fit, and we've got some confidence back in the team, then I think perhaps we could play Winks at the base as a sort of progressive um, possession player. Um, I don't know. I, I think Dyer is probably a more realistic uh, long-term aim for the rest of the season. But I worry that for the moment we don't have enough protection of our defence and with the, the kind of nerves around us, I feel that if we concede one, we'll concede more. And that's that's what concerns me. But... I'm absolutely thrilled that the Celso looks so good and I'm thrilled that Sessegnon looks so good as well because you have a player like Sessegnon who can come off the bench and, and genuinely make a difference 
that must give the team a whole load of extra confidence. And I feel like he can actually, as much as the Celso had um, an impact on, on the team's mentality, I feel like having a player like Sessegni on there in reserve can have a similar um, impact too. And hopefully, hopefully we can just grind out some wins during this rough patch and then push on from there with our hot, hot, hot young things. Hot young things. Hot, hot, hot young things. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.com.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.